tell a joke that sometimes people fall asleep uh, during what I'm speaking about, but before that, uh, it's a new record for me. What sort of week have we had this week? I wonder what sort of There's a few people going, especially the ones who've had exams. Cool, dear me. Verses 8 and 9 um, says this, We are hard, pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. It's a well-worn saying, is it? isn't it, that um, I think my grandmother used to use it as well. There's always someone worse off than you. That's true, isn't it? Well, I guess it comes to a point where that isn't quite the case, but generally speaking in the Western world, that's true. That is definitely true. Uh, we're all prone sometimes to feeling that uh, nothing seems to be going right, though, doesn't it? And um, if you ask my wife, she says that for about the last 30 plus years. <laughs> but sometimes we're feeling a bit low. But this morning I want to encourage us that God is faithful even in the difficult times. And um, I, I didn't wrestle with this word, but I, I wondered why I was bringing this word on a Sunday morning. And it's just to encourage us that whatever our circumstances are, to raise our praise to him, to worship him, and to thank him. Because despite everything that goes on around us, we've just read that in comparison, their light and momentary troubles compared to what we're going to have in glory. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? Thank you. Because it is. And uh, in our reading today, Paul highlights that there really are light and momentary in comparison. Um, what we're going to have, what we have now, and what we're going to have in eternity, which is even greater, far outweighs anything that comes against us right now. And if we're honest, sometimes it's easier to read that passage than to live through it. That's a fair comment, isn't it? Sometimes when we're going through those <coughs> troubles, they don't seem light and they don't seem momentary. But they are in comparison, and we have Jesus with us. If we listed those challenges again, hard-pressed, perplexed, persecuted, struck down, it seems a lot, doesn't it? It seems a lot. And I'm going to see all the little ones here are going to think, wow, all the other ones are going to hear, eh, I don't think you'd ever make that comparison. Well, I'm going to make a very trivial cartoon Looney Tunes comparison here, okay? And then you'll get my point in a moment. It sometimes appears that our lives are a bit like Wile E. Coyote. And you're all thinking, what on earth are you on about? That poor chap has had things drop on him. He's been blown up. He's been burned. He's been squished. He's been squashed. He, whatever. Okay. And I'm saying this tongue in cheek. But he's always coming back. He's always okay. And you know, sometimes it feels like we've had a ton of bricks dropped on us, doesn't it? But we're still here. We're still praising the Lord. So let's recite the list again, and this time add in the Lord's power and encouragement in our lives and experience. Just to help us focus, not just on the positive things of life, but the fact that our Lord God, the sovereign Lord, is with us and he is our strength. The resilience 
that we have is, because of his power, it's activated by the Holy Spirit. The all-surpassing power, it says in the word there, is from God and not from us. So here we go. Hard-pressed, but not crushed. The Holy Spirit working in and through us strengthens, doesn't he? First spiritually, but also a mind and body, because our Lord cares for the whole person. All of us. All of us, but head to toe, toe to head. The very hairs of our head are counted. And he's been doing a lot of subtracting recently in that, I'm telling Perplexed, but not in despair. You know, friends, God is sovereign over all, and we can trust him, absolutely trust him. If he sees and cares for the sparrow, which the word says he does, how much more does he care for each one of us? The word says that he knows us by name. You don't find out somebody's name unless you're interested. Well, he's more than just interested, he loves us deeply. He cares for us, he's demonstrated that. Persecuted but not abandoned. And clearly this is literal in some parts of the church worldwide, isn't it? You know, we have it easy in the West, but in some parts of the world, it, they are literally persecuted. But not only are we not abandoned, but folks have been adopted into his family. We're children of the living God. He's our father. We're joint heirs with the son. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that exciting? Doesn't that give you a lift? We might feel under attack, but God is right there beside us. Remember Jesus' words, I will never leave you or forsake you. Isn't that great? So when you're in the exam next time, I will never leave you or forsake you. Isn't that wonderful? Struck down, but not destroyed. Let's be honest, there are difficult days, aren't there? There are difficult days. We all have good and bad times. But he will never allow anything or anyone to push us past our limits. God will never allow that because he is in control. And you know, sometimes we might have to cry out to him, perhaps even in tears. But you won't let it happen because the promise is that nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I put that in capitals and underlined it and boldened it. Absolutely nothing can separate us from God's love. You know, one of the early pastors of this church, I'm led to believe, um, had a saying when things weren't going particularly well. And I remember Alfred Peterman. And he used to say, Mr. Barker, hallelujah anyway. Because even when things didn't go wrong, God is still worthy of praise. Sorry, did go wrong, I should say. God is still worthy of praise. And if I were to ask you for a Bible character that seemed to uh, epitomise, encapsulate these issues, and yet still prevailed, who would you suggest? There you go. The one I chose as well. But, thinking about them, what about Peter and John? brought before the Sanhedrin because a crippled man was healed. They were arrested, thrown in custody, and yet the following day Jesus declared that salvation is found in no one else. No other name given under heaven to which we must be saved. They were still witnessing, still praising, still living for God despite that. 
or Paul and Silas, badly beaten, beaten in a prison, the deepest, darkest cell underground, smelling probably rats running around. And what did they do? Sing psalms, praise the Lord, lift his name. They were still praising. What about the psalmist? David had a run around at times, didn't he? He was being pursued, he was being hunted, his life was in danger, but he still constantly exalted the Lord his God, didn't he? A bit like that hymn, Awake my soul and sing. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, despite facing death, they still stood faithful. Stood. They didn't cower, they stood faithful. But you're right, um, my thoughts turned to Job as well. Obvious perhaps in some ways, but an encouragement. His animals and livestock were taken, were removed. His servants were taken, his possessions were gone. His health suffered. And even his nearest and dearest went as well. Terrible. Closest family lost. Yet in all this, it says, Job did not sin or blame God. What a man of faith. That's incredible. What a person who trusted God in all circumstances. And in Job 19, 25, 27, it says this. And this is a, an incredible passage. It's a, it's a prophecy, really. I know that my Redeemer lives. And that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. How wonderful that is, isn't it? All this going on. All this going on. I know that my Redeemer lives. And I trust you can all say that this morning. That I know. I know. Not that I... You know, not that I've read it somewhere or I've heard about it, but I know in here that my Redeemer lives. Incredible faith. Hard pressed, yes. Perplexed, absolutely. Persecuted, well he certainly was. Struck down, without a doubt. I bet, well I'm hoping his friends didn't say there's always somebody worse off than you. But what a tiny heart. Yet despite all his troubles, Job acknowledged the greatest blessing of all, knowing God and being in a relationship with him. What a great treasure that is. Despite everything else, he recognised what was really, really important and what is really permanent. Light and momentary troubles, eternal salvation. Light and momentary troubles, eternal salvation. Wonderful. Far greater. He looked to his saviour. Even in the tragic and difficult times. And one of the things that caught my attention was the fact that God uses the phrase about Job, my servant. I'm not talking about a, a slave or whatever, but my servant. A loving phrase to one who is loyal. A person who has a special relationship. Who is trustworthy. And commended. And friends, wouldn't it be great? I hope we are in a position where the Lord can say, My servant, someone who is loyal, trustworthy, loves the Lord like that. To seek Jesus in every circumstance in life. You see, when we read Job, we see that the accuser strives to drive a wedge 
And that's what he does today as well, to drive a wedge between the believer by numerous circumstances, heartaches, and to alienate Job in this case, but us from God. He seeks to drive a wedge. Don't let him. Because the enemy of our souls will always seek to do that. But friends, don't lose heart. Because who has the all-surpassing power? God. The all-surpassing power is from God. His love is undeniable. Isn't it? His keeping grace unstoppable. His mercy unmeasurable. And we are alive in Christ. And can rely completely on our Heavenly Father. Few scriptures, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, says this, it challenges us really. Rejoice always. Rejoice always, underline it. That's what I'm talking about. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. By rejoicing and praying continually, we maintain, don't we, that vital relationship. If we're praying, if we're rejoicing, if we're looking to him, if we're focusing on him, if we're focusing on the eternal things, then we're in constant communion with the Lord Jesus and how important that is. And the Holy Spirit energises us in those situations, fills us with that all-surpassing power. <coughs> Philippians 4, 47 goes on to exhort a simile, but it also reveals an incredible spiritual result too. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Okay, I'll say it again. Rejoice. Thank you. Well said. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And here it is. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. <coughs> Two things from that passage. First of all, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. He's not next door. He's not far away. He's right beside us. No gaps. He's closer than the person next to you. No gaps. He's right beside us. And what's the result of following Paul's advice? We're recipients of the peace of God. The peace of God. My peace I leave you with you. The peace that transcends, surpasses, dwarfs all understanding <coughs> in Christ Jesus. God's peace. A peace that the world can't give and it certainly cannot take away. Isn't that wonderful? And if I can briefly take us back to the Old Testament, perhaps a passage I'm going to look at in a Bible study at some point. Um, to Habakkuk. Judah was rebellious. The nation of Judah was rebellious. Habakkuk had a word from the Lord that fact that they were going to be invaded. They were going to get sorted out by being invaded by the Babylonians who were a ruthless people. And the man of God, Habakkuk, knowing the consequences of what that meant and how ruthless these people were, after all the considerations and all of the condemnations, said these words. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food. Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. That's wonderful, that, isn't it? The Sovereign Lord is my strength. But notice what the Lord enables too, like the feet of the deer, sure-footed, a firm foundation. You won't slip if you're in him. So as we see, everything that was about to transpire, Habakkuk still says, yes, I will rejoice in the Lord. The sovereign Lord is my strength. So what does he learn to do? He learns to rest in God. What a great secret that is. To, well, it's not a secret, but a great discovery, if you like, for each one of us. To rest in God. To rely on him. To await his working out in a spirit of worship. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. It's an example and an exhortation for all of us. And remember, Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 tells us that he prayed three times to have a thorn in his side removed. A difficulty, a challenge in his life. Didn't happen, but the Lord's response was this. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And sometimes we, well, all the time really, we should just give it to the Lord. Give it to the Lord. Spurgeon commented on God's grace, uh, his amazing grace like this. The Lord has as much grace as the whole universe will require. But he has vastly more. He overflows all the demands that can ever be made of the grace of God. So whatever we need, he can not only supply, but he can supply vastly more. You're never going to run the depths of God's grace dry. And I've used this extract before, but it's one of my favourite quotations from Spurgeon on the subject of God's grace. And I, please try and take this in. It's, it's wonderful. Our Lord Jesus is ever giving and does not for a solitary instant withdraw his hand. As long as there is a vessel of grace not yet full to the brim, the oil shall not be stayed. He, that is Jesus, is a sun ever shining. He is manna always falling around the camp. He is a rock in the desert, ever sending out streams of life from his smitten side. The rain of his grace is always dropping. The river of his bounty is ever flowing. And the wellspring of his love is constantly overflowing. So, we've thought about the circumstances that we have sometimes. Do you feel empty? Well, ask him to fill you to the brim. Do you feel your way is darkened? Allow him to shine on you. Have you the pressures of life that make you feel weak? Well, let him feed you with that heavenly manner. And are circumstances around you drying up your experience? <coughs> feel as though they're just draining you. Let him feed you. <coughs> Let him refresh you. The streams of his grace can revive you. The wellspring of his love and the river of his bounty refresh you and wash over you. Now, several years ago, I'm almost finished just in case anybody else wants to drop off at the 
Several years ago, David Dando ministered at a weekend conference we had here in church. And um, during one of his messages, he brought our, our attention to the fact that there were two bronze pillars on the entrance to Solomon's temple. And those two bronze pillars were named Yakin and Boaz. That was the inscription. And every time the people of God walked up and were praising and went through to the temple, they saw Yakin and Boaz. And the inscription reminded the worshippers of the faithfulness of God as they entered the temple. And the meaning of the names were these. Yakin, it is God who establishes. And Boaz, in him is strength. And as people entered, they were reminded every single time, it is God who establishes. In him is strength. And every time we worship, every time we take communion, together we're reminded that because of Jesus, that God through his Son has established a new covenant. It is God who establishes. And in his presence, there is strength, there is deliverance, there is victory. So let this morning, let's make sure we hold fast to the realisation that God is in control. That he knows, even sometimes if it's not obvious to us, he is in control. We can rejoice in the God of our salvation. Let's look at the full picture, not the light and momentary troubles, but what he is and what he's done for us. We should be a truly grateful people, ready to worship and adore. Let's remember that it's because God has blessed us. He's brought us and placed us on a rock. We are saved by Jesus' sacrifice and justified by faith in him. And despite everything that sometimes goes on, he still lavishes his amazing grace. He still lavishes on us his incomparable riches. He still lavishes on us his unending mercy because he's the sovereign Lord and he's our strength.